Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Web Chatham Report, episode 111. Hello. Welcome to day number 719 of my quarantine probably almost over for now maybe if we're lucky probably not maybe another month I'm not really listening to the CDC because I have an unvaccinated child and I don't want her to get sick even if there's a slight chance to give her long COVID because she doesn't care she's happy here and she's learning just fine and we had a play date last weekend with one of the neighbor's kids who was five and they got along great she has social skills she had one little moment where she tried to boss her around a little bit like she tries to boss around me and emma but you know she got over it so she seems fine and well adjusted so i'm just gonna keep doing this until she can get a vaccine which god knows when that's gonna be thank you uh that's not the cdc that's the fda anyway yeah how you doing life during wartime shit's fucked up man it's upsetting. It's very upsetting. I cannot say I'm super surprised, but I'm also super surprised. It's kind of uh, amazing, you know? Like, there are lessons I think I've learned through the years. I read a book about Putin, I don't know, almost a decade ago now. I've known he was a horrible, horrible man that would stop at nothing for quite some time. But it's a lot like Trump, where you're like, I have learned the lesson that this man will keep doing increasingly evil things, and I will never be surprised when he does something increasingly evil, except I'm completely surprised every time he does something completely increasingly evil. It's a paradox, and your brain can't really get over it, even though it tries to. So, yeah, it's very upsetting. I spend a good hour or two every day doom scrolling. It's it's like, it's interesting. Um, this is this is a bit of an aside, but not really. It's definitely not the most important factor of the war that's going on. Obviously, that is the scale of human suffering going on in Ukraine. But uh, watching this, trying to read about and learn about this war over the Internet is actually a lot harder than recent previous wars. <laughs> um, there's like, we've reached the point of like peak news and it's gone too far the fake news is a real problem you really don't know what to believe on twitter there's good communication coming out of ukraine but like you can't tell what's real and what's not and the reporters you know aren't moving fast enough um you know five years ago six seven years ago when a war would happen and we had twitter you could generally trust what you read on twitter to be accurate but now you can't really so it's harder in a way to get up-to-date coverage uh, i find myself going back to things like the new york times and and more traditional journalism which is a little bit slower but at least it's been vetted and i i i think a lot of us are feeling that twitter is just not doing it in the same way for reliable news sources it used to be there are obviously many good citizen journalists on there but you know how can you tell who's who you can't it's a pain in the ass my old friend Taylor Lorenz, the esteemed journalist these days, had a great article recently about some of the crazy shit people are doing for news aggregation, not caring about sourcing and then spamming people and putting crappy ads in there. And uh, it's pretty depressing. But, you know, in the larger picture, obviously, the war is incredibly depressing. And uh, I'm trying to stay functional. It's very hard. I wrote a good line about it yesterday in my, my personal diary, and I can't remember the exact line, but it was something like, 
when there's a war going on, the very act of living makes you feel complicit and immoral because you just got to kind of live your life. You can try and help, but it's still unclear in what ways people help is useful. They're like, donate to the Ukrainian military, but I don't know that that's going to help. I don't know that they're going to get it. Um, I'm waiting for some little bit more answers on this front. And uh, so you just feel kind of helpless, you know, and then you're like, well, I'm helpless. I could sit here and doom scroll. Or I could try and live my life. And I, you know, I try and do a balance of the two, but you just feel bad. I feel bad. I feel bad doing other stuff, but you got to do other stuff. I remember years and years and years ago, I read some article in a war zone, more of a cold war zone. Um, you know, I think it was, it, I can't remember for sure, but I feel like it was Palestine and Israel. And on one side of the board or the other, they were interviewing someone and they were like sitting in a nightclub and they're like, don't you just like think it's kind of weird. You're sitting here in a cafe, nightclub, bar kind of thing. And there's war going on. He get blown up in any minute. And he's like, well, I could get blown up any minute at home. I might as well just like live my life. And I remember being like, oh yeah, what are you going to do? And that's what it's like. We just got to keep living our lives. So that's what I've been doing. I am staying up to date. I have my opinions. I'm waiting and hoping I can find some concrete ways to help. I haven't fully believed any of them yet and trusted them. I've been burned before on these things. So I'm waiting a little bit longer on that front. Um, my, you know, I have Ukrainian friends. I have Russian friends, people that are feeling this a lot more than I am, people that are very distraught. One of them is best friends was in the Peace Corps for two years in a town that just got shelled today. So, you know, it's, it's upsetting, but there's no but. It's just upsetting. <laughs> and now I turn it on to other topics, and it feels totally fake and weird, and I don't like doing it. And I almost skipped this entire podcast this week because I got a lot to do this weekend. And it feels really weird. And it's been very hard to write my good morning, hello, how are yous? Because of the same reason. And it's like, what do you do? You want to like start me like, war is bad. Okay, well, I don't know what else to say. I am not a, I mean, more so than most people, I guess. I went to college for international relations. Several of my professors were ambassadors, former U.S. ambassadors to new, you know, new nations, former Soviet republics as the Cold War ended and these nations came back i had like a georgian ambassador as a president as a professor a former russian ambassador soviet ambassador as a pre as a professor i took classes in eastern european politics um i'm very well read on the subject uh but i still don't consider myself a foreign policy expert so you know it's uh i'm not gonna be a pundit here um yeah i'm a pundit about day-to-day -day living <laughs> so that's what we're gonna do Got a lot going on, man. So the book is done. Uh, good morning. Hello. How are you? It is available for purchase at rickweb.net. Please consider buying a copy. It will be available on Amazon in four short days. That's a lie. It'll be available on Amazon in three short days. Uh, you will be able to buy the print version or the ebook version, both from my site, rickweb.net, or Amazon. Uh, obviously I prefer you buy it from me. You can also get autographed copies there. I make more money. Amazon takes a giant cut otherwise, but Amazon's very convenient and I don't begrudge you if you use Amazon, especially if you're a Kindle reader, uh, because the Kindle is awesome and I read lots of books on Kindle. So I am sympathetic. The, uh, ebook version that comes from my site includes the Kindle file and a PDF. So you could read it on any reader you like if you buy it from my site. Just saying it's very exciting. Uh, I spent all this morning with Jane printing mailing labels and all mailing out all the uh, pre-order copies from rickweb.net. Uh, so they've all been mailed out except for one. I missed one for some reason. It's going out today. 
Uh, it was really cute. Jane learned how to like copy and paste addresses on the computer and paste them into stance.com and hit print and print the label out. And then I stuck the label on the box and then she copied the tracking number and moved it over to Squarespace and pasted the tracking number in and marked it, fulfilled it. It was so cute. We spent like two hours doing this this morning. Uh, so that was nice. Um, haven't quite broken even on the book yet, uh, but I've made about half the money back already, which is kind of nice. You know, um, my, my writing is generally a break even affair. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that's very exciting. The book is out. Please consider buying it. I don't, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do next. Got to have another project, I guess. But that one's done. Uh, but you know, really, it's spring, so gardening has begun. I got a lot of projects going on to keep me busy during the weekends. Uh, I ordered so much junk, just so much gardening infrastructure stuff. You know, I, I ordered these three hoop houses, and I put them together, and I have a very long hoop house outside now. It's just amazing. It's probably about 30 feet long, five feet wide, nine feet tall, eight feet tall. And it's all netted up and it looks amazing. And, uh, I got two new birdies beds to go in it, uh, along one side. And I got a bunch of garden soil out. Jeez. Uh, I got so much garden soil. I got four yards of 50, 50 garden soil compost, organic compost delivered in bulk by dump truck into my driveway and it's on a tarp and covered in tarps over at the end of the driveway and it's it's awesome i did all this crazy shit to prep this bed for this hoop house there was an old path when we bought the house there was like a gravel path that went through this mulch bed where i'm turning into a garden and we never got rid of it we just covered it up so i had to dig it all out i made a whole youtube video about it my first youtube video of the year the gardening videos are back check it out rick web youtube uh yeah, but I had I hauled a literal actual ton of gravel out of this garden bed. And that was really fun. I did that last weekend. It was real hard work, but Jane helped too. She had a little toy wheelbarrow next to my wheelbarrow. Oh my God, it was just adorable. And we would just do our little wheelbarrow runs together. It's all on video. You got to see it. It's the cutest thing. So yeah, that's done. Uh, I built one birdie's bed. The other one should be arriving any day now. I got the shipping notice. And I'm hoping it comes today so I can put it together tomorrow and get those two put together so I can start hauling dirt, which is the next big thing. Also a ton of garden soil amendments. I got been buying by bulk. I, I just, you know, last year I was buying everything in like bags and I just throw I was throwing away bags and bags and bags and bags of plastic and it just bummed me out so I'm not doing that this year I'm buying everything in bulk and um big big you know big bins of blood meal which is gross don't don't ask don't think about it and vermiculite and perlite and crab and lobster shell and just these big bins tubs of it and I'm going to be mixing it all together and dumping it in all the raised beds. And I got all my plants and seeds ready. I'm going to do some seed starts. Not as many as last year. Most things I'm just going to plant directly into the ground. But uh, I'm going to start some tomatoes and some peppers. A few other things in the garage just to get a little bit of a head start. Uh, I got a couple heating mats today. I went to Home Depot or Lowe's Hardware this morning because Emma needed some wood. I also went yesterday. I went to the garden center and I got some seed potatoes. And I went to the, this lumber yard in Carborough. I'd never been to and I needed, a, we need a new workbench. I mean, we have a workbench, but it's like MDF. You know, we took like two of these sort of like metal utility shelves from Uline. And a couple of years ago, I had just, you know, they're both about two feet by four feet. And I stuck them next to each other. And I bought like an eight, I borrow, I got for free an eight piece, eight foot sheet of MDF from a neighbor who had bought extra. And I, you know, just use my circular saw and cut it down and put it on top to make a workbench. And it's pretty good. I sanded it, but it's MDF, you know, it's rough, but it's a workbench. So you don't really care, but it's rough. And, um, I just decided I wanted a better surface on it. And also it, 
it needs to overhang the tables a little bit because we can't clamp anything. So that's really annoying. So, and I got a new vice and I need to put that on it. So I was like, I'm going to get it. I'm going to, I'm going to splurge. I'm going to get like a nice, like three quarter inch birch plywood top on this thing. And you know, we only have an SUV. We don't have a pickup truck. Our neighbors have standing offers to borrow their pickup trucks, but I was like, I can do this. So I measured it out. It's eight feet by three feet because I want the overhang. And uh, I measured the <laughs> the Mazda three, no five. What are we at six five? And um, it fit in theory, eight feet by three feet sheet of plywood, right? So I went to this lumber yard and I was like, do you cut? And they're like, we only cut the expensive stuff. And I'm like, well, you're in luck because I want the expensive stuff. And uh, I had them cut it at three feet. And honestly, I didn't. I should have got the other foot. Now that you think about it, I'm kind of pissed. What the fuck? Hmm. Anyway, um, ooh, that makes me mad. I wonder if I paid for it. I should look. I must have, right? Oh, that's so weird. I didn't even think about it. Anyway, uh, they got in the car. I got in the car, but it just barely fit, and I was driving home with this thing right next to my neck, and I was like, I'm going to get beheaded. <laughs> it was super dangerous, so uh, I didn't go, you know, get all the other stuff I needed yesterday. So this morning, I got up really early, 6.30 in the morning, and I went out, and I went to Lowe's Hardware, and I got some tongue oil to, like, wipe that down, and I got uh, this very thin sort of fiberboard Emma needs for her dollhouse project and uh, some other stuff. And I got him some biscuits. And uh, anyway, I got a ton of garden stuff now, and it's all coming together. And it's just been like, you know, between that and shipping the books out, I'm just like, oh, my God, my back hurts so much. Like, pulling stakes out of the ground and digging. And uh, now, you know, what do I have to look forward to is hauling four yards, cubic yards of dirt. That's probably like 20, 30 wheelbarrow loads uh, over the next weekend or two. So that's going to be kind of insane. <laughs> and I got to set up my irrigation. That's going to be a thing. I'm going to set up the irrigation this year because we are probably going to go away for like three weeks in the middle of the summer. Uh, so I got to put the shade cloth on and irrigate before we go. Uh, that's going to be intense. It's going to be intense. There's a lot to do about strawberries. I bought some more grapes, uh, potatoes. That's oh, going to be awesome, man. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. So that's what's been going on here in Chatham County. The diet's going well, uh, slow and steady, losing about a pound, pound and a half a week now, which is normal. It's just the work a day plowing through. Got to do this for 20, 30 more weeks. <sighs> it's rough, but I have lost uh, as of today, 24, 25 pounds. So that's not bad. It's pretty good. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, it's health is good, I guess. I don't smoke, I don't use any nicotine. I, I, I had a little bit too many tiny wines when the war started, but I've got that back under control again. <laughs> tiny wines, tiny wines. Uh, and then Jane, Jane's good. She fell, she's been falling actually a lot. I mean, not a lot, but like, um, more than usual. And I think she must be going through a growth spurt. And she fell hard on the pavement, just smacked her face. So all her, her, her nose and her lip is all red and scabby right now. And she did not like that. That, 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 was a, that was a rough night. And, like, she's fine now. It's been about three days. And except for when she looks in the mirror. And when she looks in the mirror, she just gets upset about it again. But she didn't get, like, PTSD about running or anything. She still runs on the pavement. And then she fell again yesterday on the pavement. But she didn't. She got her hands in front of her. We're trying to make her wear her mittens, so her hands didn't get scraped, but they didn't get too scraped. It's not that far of a fall. <laughs> but then she fell in the house, too. Three falls in, like, three days. It's kind of making me nervous. But, you know, I, I haven't measured her. I'm sure she's just growing. Um, and then, you know, last night she looked in the mirror and saw the schedule. She's like, no, this is bad. I'm like, don't worry. They go away. Three days. And she's like, okay, three days. And now she's, like, remembered I said that, so... Like, she's counting the days till the scab goes away. And I'm like, I don't know if that's going to go in three days. I may have really just dug my own grave on that one. <laughs> 
we will see. But the play date went really well. That was a big success. And now they, they stop and say hi in the, in the, on the driveway. When we're on our walk in the evening, we see them and they say hi. It's supposed to be coming back tomorrow. We'll see. That'll be good. That'll be good. It's really fun when I'm out there working in the garden and James over there playing with another kid. And there's some moms having mom time. And, you know, it's a good time. It's a good time. I feel very suburban. Uh, let's see. What else? Work's going great. Don't really want to talk about work, but it's going fine. Is there anything interesting about work right now? No, not really. You know, after all the hubbub of ATT and everything, it's just like, yeah, it's just, it's just work. It, stuff's happening, but you know, everything's going according to plan. Uh, and the gardening's going great. The hoops heads, got their hoop houses, got the birdies beds, uh, got some of our seeds, got some raspberries. I got a rose bush. That's right. Uh, I bought a rose bush when we first moved in, but the deer eat it all the time. But now that I got this giant hoop house, I think I'm just going to plant a rose bush in the corner of the hoop house. And uh, yeah. I like roses. I'm going to see if it works. I don't know if I'm playing it. In, I think I'm going to play it in the ground. Yeah. Why not, right? Rosebush. The other one grew. It just didn't. It just kept getting eaten. So, yeah. We're going to see if that works. Uh, yeah. And then the book. The book is done. And then, yeah, I think that's it for projects. The book is done. Uh, I haven't started any other big it's gardening now you know winter's over man I'm back outside uh, the workbench the gardening uh, I'm fantasizing about adding a three season room to the back of the house underneath the screened in patio and turning that into a workshop Emma's kind of into it too because we could really use a workshop in this house you know I want a table saw and a chop saw and there's just not enough room in the garage when we put the cars in the garage. In the summer, I just don't park in the garage. But it's like, you know, squirrels and shit get in my car. It's like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm thinking about stuff. Thinking about stuff like that. But, yeah, getting the book done, that was really huge. It was like, you know, we, Em and I were kept sending off test prints. She did the cover. And, and I was, like, kept making edits in it. And the type was too small. And I had to relay out the entire book. And get approval for the quotes on the back and you know I just it took a long time a lot it was a lot of work I flowed the entire book all the widows and orphans I I hand kerned every line in that 700 page book I want you to know that it was a labor of love man it's a labor of love so that is what's going on in Chatham County on day 719 of my pandemic life is pretty good I'm generally pretty happy these days I'm worried for the Ukrainians uh, my friends are mostly well. I've got a secret project in tech I'm working on with some friends. That's been really fun. Um, Emma's kind of debating if she wants to join us and help us on it. I won't be able to talk about that for probably another month, maybe a little bit more, but I'm excited about that. That's, so, yeah, I got stuff going on. I got some stuff going on. Got to stay busy, man. The devil will find work for idle hands to do. And I'm not quoting Morrissey on that one. I believe I'm a firm believer in staying busy. Um, yeah, I'd really love to play more No Man's Sky. There's an exciting new update out, and there's a new expedition, but I just don't have any time. I, you know, I, I have a daughter that I take care of, and I got a job, and I got a garden, and two kitties. Oh, cats. The cats are being very cute lately. Yeah. Anyway, media report. I kind of just bought the 4K Blu-rays of all the recent Marvel films because I wanted them in my Plex on 4K. Oh, yeah, I've heard the other thing. We had an internet outage for like eight hours one day and into the evening, and it was like kind of, you know, I was like, well, we got Plex. We'll watch Plex tonight. And it was great. It worked great. I love my Plex. My Plex is awesome. But I was like, I got I to gotta keep maintaining this thing. I got to get these Marvel movies in there. Emma hasn't watched Eternals. We, she watched Black Widow with me. I don't think she's seen Shang-Chi either, actually. Or Spider-Man. She's behind. But uh, so I did put uh, Eternals. 
Black Widow and Shang-Chi up on Plex. Actually, Black Widow still... I still got to tag everything. That'll be up later today. Uh, and, and then I'm just trying to like add all the blockbusters, right? So I'm putting Fast 9 up there today, and I put nobody up there. We watched that this week, and it was hilarious. It's a great film. Actually, I'm not 100% sure that was since I last talked to you. We are not watching a lot of movies, I'll tell you that. Uh, but I just told Emma we have to watch West Side Story and Licorice Pizza in the next week, and she was like, okay, so next time I talk to you, I'll have seen some films probably. Uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife is up there as well, so six new films up on Plex. Uh, I sold a few things on Discogs. I sold Jail's Dream Cake. Jail was a band on Sub Pop. And I really liked them. And I really liked that album. It was like 92 or something like that. I'm looking right now. Uh, Jail, Dream Cake. Boop, boop. Uh, poor guess. 1994. Um, so, yeah, I sold that. I sold the Afternoon Delight. Same guy, Afternoon Delight, which was a sub-pop compilation. It's a really great compilation. It has a little Dolly Vita on it, my favorite Smashing Pumpkins early tune, the mellow one. Uh, I guess Drown is another mellow one, but and that was 92. Um, and then I uh, sold a Verve Pipe CD, which I don't know where I got. It might have been my friend that I've been selling her CDs, and that was, um, I, I have a personal beef with that guy. One of the guys in the Verve Pipe from like, I'm going to say 2000, 2000, 2001 or so. So, you know, he treated one of my, my friends wrong. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, so I've also been, oh yeah, I sold a Basement Jack CD. Also didn't know, I, I think that might have been Emma's. No, that wasn't Emma's. That was probably my friends that I was selling her CDs. Uh, Remedy was that one. So the other thing I did is I've been going through my vinyl and I've been pulling all the duplicates out. and there's a disturbing amount. There's, I think I found like 20 so far and I've only gotten up through the like M's about halfway through the vinyl. Uh, you know, my vinyl is in milk crates, not milk crates, but wooden record crates. And they're on a countertop style because I have a bad back and I don't like to bend over and I get headaches when I bend over. And so it's very nice. I could just flip through them. Like I'm at a record store. I love it, but it takes up a lot of room and like, they're all getting pretty full. And so I was like, I should pull all the duplicates out. This is dumb. I'm going to sell these finals popular and you can make a lot of money. And I pulled out like 20 of them and they sell pretty quick. Not all of them, but a few of them were sold pretty, pretty quick. I had a mint unopened copy of Beyonce's lemonade. Actually I had two copies of Beyonce's lemonade on yellow vinyl. Sold that for 55 bucks. That was pretty cool. Uh, Fontaine's DC sold that. Here is Death. I had two copies. I sold the less rare version of that. Um, Love and Rockets, Sweet FA. Was that last week? Did I talk about that last week? I did, right? Let's see what we did last week. Yeah, I already told you about the vinyl doubles. Dead Can Dance, Mac DeMarco, Angel Olsen, Arcade Fire. Uh, yeah, so that's cool. I sold all those too. Um... Yeah, I got so much money in my PayPal right now from the book sales, too. It's awesome. <laughs> I'm very PayPal rich at the moment. I'm sending all to Ukraine somehow. Got a bunch of vinyl in the mail. I I, I, I kind of splurged. I, I, Yeah, it's been bad. I'm stopping now. It's summer. No more vinyl. <laughs> I'm sure you believe me. Uh, Loretta Lynn, Back to the Country. That was the Vinyl Me Please record of the month, and it's awesome. I love Loretta Lynn. I think that's my third Loretta Lynn vinyl. It's pretty exciting. Uh, Bright Black Morning Light. Okay, so this band is so awesome. They are like the most mellow band in the world since maybe since Lowe's first record. I first learned about Bright Black Morning Light in ah, 2004 or so. I went to England to... Camber Sands to the All Tomorrow's Parties Festival curated by Slint. <clears throat> I guess we could Google what year the Slint ATP was. 
uh, I don't think I've talked too much about All Tomorrow's Parties in a while, but our All Tomorrow's Parties was a festival that happened often in England. It was an organization that did these festivals. And their main thing was they would take, take over these holiday centers, like sort of like big, it's kind of a UK thing. We don't really have them in America. And, um, you know, it's like a big complex of hotels with like a big entertainment pavilion in the middle and they would get a band and that band would curate the whole weekend and they would pick like 30 or 40 bands and they would just play all weekend and it was super awesome it was like the greatest thing i went to like 10 atps i was the biggest atb fan um well i found the lineup of the slint atp melvin's bad wizard born hello bright black Deerhoof, Early Man, Endless Boogie, Fawn Fables, King Kong, Love is Laughter, Moom. Oh, that was awesome. We ran into Moom at a bar in London the next week after that show. <laughs> that was so funny. We are Moom. <laughs> we just saw you guys. You guys are awesome. Sons and Daughters, Matmos, Mighty Flashlight, Mogwai. Oh, my God. They're so good. Need New Body, Neil Hamburger, Pearls and Brass, Polar Goldie Cats, uh, Red Nail, Sean Garrison, the Five Figure Discount, Slint, Spoon, Stairmaster, Naysayer, White Magic. So that was the lineup of the Slint ATP. Sorry, my voice is kind of far away. Um, boop, boop, boo. It really doesn't, I don't know when it was. Oh, let's go over here. Uh, uh, mm -mm -mm. This is so interesting for you, I know. They used to have, oh, that sucks. I don't know. I'm going to say like 2004, something like that. Anyway, uh, the complex in the middle with the, where the entertainment was had a pub that was awesome. I met like this woman from the wedding present and drank with her all night. It was great. Uh, it had an arcade and it had two live venues in it. And the smaller one was like the first one you went into. And I walked in and this band was just like the most mellow thing in the world. And I was like, oh my God, this band rules. And I became completely obsessed with Bright Black Morning Light. They were on Matador. That year, they did a big push at South by. I saw Bright Black Morning Light like six times at South by Southwest and just like divey bars. One was like a vice party. And it's just awesome. I love them so much. I owned all their music on CD, but the vinyl has gotten very expensive since then. And I found an affordable copy of their second album, Cali Alley Tucky. And I finally got it on vinyl. And I was so excited because I love them so much. Uh, and then I did this big order from Japan. <laughs> like I have this want list on Discogs of all the vinyl I want. And I kept noticing everything was just at this one place in Japan. And they're very highly rated. And everybody is like in the U.S. are like, they ship fine. They, you know, they're quick. They're they're packed well. They're, they're, they're legit. So I was like, all right. I just sucked it up and I did it. And I ordered from them two Mercury Rev albums on vinyl that I did not have. See you on the other side and all this dream. Third Eye Foundation, Semtex, Saint Etienne's Words and Music, as well as The Misadventures of Saint Etienne, Hayden, the Canadian singer-songwriter's second album, Everything I Long For, on vinyl, my favorite Hayden album, Swan's third album, Real Love, or first live album, I guess, Real Love, on vinyl, I only ever had the CD, uh, Supreme Dicks, Working Man's Dick, Love the Supreme Dicks, and Pale Saints in Ribbons. Uh, I got all of those in one big package from Japan, it cost an arm and a leg. I swear to God, I can't even, I'm not even going to talk about how much money it was. But I was very happy to have them all. I've been looking for them all for years and years and years. There are just no copies in America, and I got them all. So I just sucked it up. 
And then I promised I wouldn't buy anything else on vinyl, but I had ordered a bunch of stuff. So that stuff all started coming in. I mean, you know, vinyl, you order this stuff six months in advance. I don't know when things are going to show up, but uh, recently things that have shipped include Psychic TV's reissue of Allegory and Self on Dias Records, my friend Gibby's label out in California. Uh, my Life of the Thrill Kill Cult's Cooler Than Jesus 12-inch because I love that specific period of Thrill Kill Cult and I have almost all of it on vinyl but I don't have that and one other one and I want them so I got that uh, and Waxtrax just reissued it so it was really cheap uh, Kun Naren Electric Fin Band it's just a Thai sort of jam band psych band that exists in deep rural Thailand that this sort of dude went out and recorded them to make a live album from, and it's just called two. They have an album before this, but I haven't listened to that one. Uh, and I enjoyed it very much. I read an article about them and wired actually. And I was like, I want that record and it was cheap. It's new. And, uh, Mark, uh, Alan Vega from suicide, uh, a new 12 inch single on sacred bones called inversion back with murder one and uh, discord records. I ordered this guy, I don't know, nine months ago. They announced that the 200th release on Discord Records, Discord 200, would be a box set of the first six, seven-inch singles on Discord. So I just got it, and it just came today, and it's gorgeous, and it's a box set of the first six, seven-inch singles on Discord. It's called the first six records, and even the mailing box is custom to this. Like, you know, I almost threw it away, and then I noticed on the back, it had the Discord logo, and it said 200 on it, and I was like, oh my god, I can never throw this box away. I can't throw any of this away. Uh, and it's gorgeous, and I don't even really want to open it. I have... I think four of the singles already, but it's just so nice. It's so nice. So that's it. That's all the vinyl I got in the last two weeks. Hopefully it'll slow down again. I'm trying to get it under control and spring is here. So, you know, my attention's turned to outdoor matters. I did listen to a lot of records this week, so let's go through them. Queen Adrena and uh, Lala Shawar. Lala Schwer. These are two different projects from Katie Jane Garside from best known as being the lead singer of Daisy Chainsaw. Queen Adrena is essentially Daisy Chainsaw after Daisy Chainsaw. And I listened to a lot of her other stuff. She has a more recent band called Liar Flower that I listened to since the pandemic that I've talked to you guys about that my friend Y Mike alerted me to, but I never listened to the solo album Lullabies in the Glass Wilderness. And I never listened to Taxidermy with Queen Adrena. So I listened to both of those and they're awesome. Andy Bell of Ride has a new album called Flicker. That was really great. Sounds like the melodic ride songs. This band, new-ish band, put out their second album. I really love their first one called Black Country, New Road. The new album is called Answer One Up Here. It is very critically acclaimed, and people seem to really love it. I do not like it as much as the last album, except for the last song. And the last song is fucking fantastic. It's like a 10-minute magnum opus, and I'm super into it. Uh, listen to the rooftop performance of Get Back by the Beatles that just came out. They released as an album the entire rooftop performance. Um, you know the, the big hits of it off of the Let It Be album. Uh, Valerie June, singer-songwriter, Moon and Stars, Prescriptions for Dreamers, uh, kind of mellow, country-ish woman, really like it. She has a lot of covers on the sort of, and it's on the bonus version, and I've been, like, she did a great Pink Moon cover, really like that, and that kind of epitomizes her style. Nick Drakeian, I would say. Uh, Eddie Vedder's new album, Earthling, I love it. I'm not really a big Pearl Jam fan. He is the last man standing there, man, Mark Lanigan, R.I.P., that really made me sad. I shed a tear about that, and I strongly urge each and every one of you to go read Luke O'Neill's post article about Mark Lanigan. It is just beautiful and some of the best writing I've read on the internet in years. And uh, yeah, I was really sad about Mark Lanigan. I'm not going to lie. But, uh, you know, Eddie Vedder, he just put out a new album, and it's really good. 
<laughs> I, I, I never really saw Pearl Jam on the first tour because I kind of liked the live when it came out and they were on Sub Pop and I, you know, I was like, all right, cool. And Smashing Pumpkins were opening. I was like, oh, you know, I like Gish. It's Gish, Gish era. And, uh, but I never saw him ever after that. I never saw any better, but it was a good record. I'm into it. Big Thief's new album, Dragon New Warm Mountain, I Believe in You. People love that record. And it was good. There's some stuff to like on it. It's really long. I think it might be a double record. It's a little bit, a little bit much for me. Grievo Omit. Uh, I learned about this from my friend Bill up in Salem, Massachusetts. And, uh, he said it was one of his favorite albums of the year. And it's awesome. It's like hard shoegaze, sort of like psych rock. More shoegaze than psych, but it's got some psych elements, and it's really, really good. Grievo. Uh, I listened to the Godspeed You Black Emperor. Uh, I guess it's an album demo. It's their first release. It's a cassette demo. They never released it. They just sold a few copies of this cassette at shows early on, and it's never been available on the internet. And then somebody just dumped it on YouTube, and then the band was like, okay, fine. So they put it up on Bandcamp. So I bought it from Bandcamp, and I listened to it. All lights fucked up on the Harry Amp drooling. Very excited. Godspeed's coming to a cat's cradle in like two months. <laughs> that is going to be insane. I've seen them a lot. The last time I saw them, I was walking home. It was like midnight. I had been at work and I was kind of tipsy and I wanted to stop for one more drink at Zablowski's. I may have even gone to Zablowski's with a friend on the way home from work. So I was on North 6th in Williamsburg. And then I was like, okay, well, let's walk home. And I walked, decided to walk past the music hall. Instead of the other way to my house, I lived on North 7th. No, other way around. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. I live on North 7th. Lived on North 7th. It was on North 6th. Anyway, I walked by, and we had been married at the music hall not long before this, and so I knew all the bouncers, and I had tipped everybody really well, and they liked me, and I had this, this standing offer. If they're out the door, they let me in. And I looked at the marquee, and it said, Godspeed, you black emperor, which I did not care about at the time, because I had seen them a bunch earlier, and I, but I was kind of regretting not going, and I was like, oh my God. And the guy's like, you want to go in? It's like, they go in yet? He's like, two minutes. And I was like, yes. So I just stumbled in alone, drunk, and I literally got my place in the back corner, and then they just started, and I was like, this is so awesome. <laughs> That was the best. Oh, my God. Uh, anyway, so I'm excited to see them again. And uh, demo's not that great. It's fine. I mean, it's good. It's very good for a first demo. But, you know, they've gotten a lot better as the years have gone by. Uh, good Morning, Barnyard. Oh, yeah, this is from my friend Nick Ladadio. There's one great song in here, but it's called, like, Country. Or I want to move to the country or something like that. That was amazing. The rest of the album is, it's like a, like a, mm, it's a little bit more mellow than, like, power pop. It's like melodic power pop almost. I mean, it's like the, the song structure feels very pop power pop and it's like dude singer and, but it's more melodic, you know, maybe like, uh, like, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to think of somebody. Anyway, the one, the one song is great and, uh, it's worth going to find Good morning is the name of the band. The album, the song is called country. The album is called barnyard, but just go straight to the last song. Uh, Yule, Y E U L E glitch princess. Um, just learned about this one on Pitchfork, and it's like, I think they're trans. I'm not 100% sure. Maybe they're non-binary, but um, they didn't specify, but they, they, they use the pronoun they in the article, and it's awesome. The song Electric is amazing. The whole thing, it's like kind of goth, kind of glitch, kind of like weird, very, but a little poppy. It's cool. I really liked it a lot. Glitch Princess. I don't know anything about them. And uh, it's fantastic, though. It's a great record. I've been listening to it a lot. Uh, Shamir record, Heterosexuality, is awesome. I'm very fascinated with Shamir. learned about Shamir when I worked at Tumblr originally. He would, I would say he originally started his Tumblr rock. 
And uh, but every album has been very, very different. And the dude just goes through like multiple genres. And now this one is basically like a mostly like a 90s industrial dance record. <laughs> and it's awesome. I really like it. Uh, Ravina, Asha's Awakening. Uh, kind of cool. Uh, Hindu woman R&B thing. Can't remember who recommended this to me, but it was really good. Uh, yeah, sort of Indian world R&B. It's really good. Don't know anything about it. Uh, Hikaru Uteda, bad. Uh, so apparently Hikaru Uteda, she's a woman from Japan. And at one point she was like a superstar and she was like most popular and had a lot of hits there. I never heard of her. And, but that's, that was a long time ago. So, you know, it'd be kind of like if Mariah Carey made an album now that was a little bit more cool and sophisticated, a Japanese equivalent of that. It's a little bit more R&B. It's a little bit more mellow. The album's called Bad. And it was great. Really liked it. Uh, Boris has a new album that I've been totally in love with it's called w and it's just so haunting and gorgeous gorgeous and glacial and scary but like mellow and churning and yeah man the new boris rules jazz butcher highest in the land uh a little power poppy i always loved jazz butcher but not as much i'm not like a huge obsessive fan i got into him back in the early 90s when david j from bauhaus and loving rockets was playing with him maybe even the 80s jeez uh, have not kept up all the time, but I guess this is supposed to be his last album. So I was like, Oh, I gotta listen to it. And I enjoyed it. There's, there's a couple of the songs I really enjoyed on it. Uh, Voivod has a new album, synchro anarchy. <laughs> uh, John Darnell from the mountain goats is like the new Voivod album's amazing. I was like, Oh my God, they're still around. I listen to it. And I, I knew they were still around cause I always listen to every new Voivod album. <clears throat> I did not love it as much as him. It's good, but it feels like it's like not. I mean, it's probably treading some new or breaking new ground for them, but I didn't listen to it. Like the Boris album, I'm like, I don't know anything else that sounds like this, right? And the Voivod album was like, this is awesome. It's kind of like good grindy medley, you know? It feels very genre, but it's very good. Therefore, Ocean. I don't know who made me listen to this. It's very ambient. It's very quiet. It was really cool. It was really mellow. I don't know why I listened to it at all, but it was it was interesting. David's Soul. <laughs> this came from my friend Stacy. She mentioned it on Facebook Messenger. David's Soul is better known as Hutch from Starsky and Hutch. <laughs> He's a 70s guy. And he uh, put out a solo album. It's called David's Soul. And it was pretty awesome. It's like 70s soul. Very uh, sort of like uh, Austin Powers, he almost, but more soul. Reminds me of the, the Dumbledore album. <laughs> What's his name? Richard, whatever. Um, yeah, something like that. And uh, it's got a good cover of Leonard Cohen's Bird on the Wire on it. I enjoyed it. Sea Power, Brit- formerly known as British Sea Power, have a new album. It's called Everything Was Forever. I've been leading up with many advanced singles to this. So by the time I listen to the album, I feel like I've listened to like half the album already. But it's great. It's their best album in years. Way better than Valhalla Dance Floor, if you listen to that one. I think it's probably their best album since their second album. The first two are just majestic. But yeah, it's, it's awesome. Trent Muller has a new album, Memoria. Same thing, really fantastic. One of the best Trent Muller, Trent Muller albums in like a decade. Uh, it's very shoegaze. It's very goth. It's still electronica, but it's like, uh, it reminds me of Ulrich Schnauss when he was in his shoegaze phase. I am very into the meeting of shoegaze and electronica. So this thing really, really did it for me. Great record. Uh, Blankenbarge, everything. I don't know where who where I learned about this from. I'm gonna guess it was Bill because <laughs> he's yeah. Oh no, actually I remember when I was listening to uh, the Grievo album, which was from Bill. Uh, Spotify just recommended these different shoegaze bands, and I accidentally let it play. I never do that, but I, I accidentally did. And Blankenbarge and White Flowers were the two 
bands that it recommended to me. Blank and Barrage's album is called Everything. White Flower's album is called Day by Day. Two awesome shoegaze bands. Don't know anything about them. They're really great. Spotify recommendations. Damn it, algorithm. Oh, Keely was trapped in the box room. Well, you know, Keely, that's what you get for going in the box room. Our cats are just too curious sometimes. Alice Glass, uh, who used to be in Crystal Castles, has a new album called Prey slash four, Roman numeral four, uh, thus signifying in her mind, Prey is a continuation of the three Crystal Castles albums. Her and uh, the man in Crystal Castles, Ethan, uh, notoriously broke up as a band with her accusing him of abuse. And uh, she does not like that man at all. And he seems to be not great. Although I should confess, I used to hang out with him and go to shows and drink with him. Uh, But, you know, I didn't know him very well. We just sort of drank a lot, (laughs) which probably is a bad sign. You know, when you meet a bunch of dudes in bars, there's a good chance like over half of them are just going to be terrible. I've realized that now. Anyway, uh, the album is awesome. It's more poppy, less hard than Crystal Castles, except for track two. Uh, It's like uh, grimesy, but darker. yeah, I enjoyed it. I've only given it two listens. And then finally, because I've been listening to this all the time, the new Tears for Fears came out yesterday. It's called The Tipping Point, just like the first single was called. My wife is obsessed with it. I like it a lot. We're very excited to go see Tears for Fears in Boston in May. I've seen them before. She has not. So we are very excited, though. And the album is great, and I've been listening to it on repeat for two days now. So that is all the music I've listened to since I last talked to you. On the television front, we are finishing up Star Trek Discovery. I do not like this season. I am very bitter about what they do to Trek, making it all dark and dystopian. They have some good points and some good moments uh, on the more human level, although they got rid of one of the best characters, and I'm a little annoyed about that. Uh, uh, But I will keep watching it, because what I'm going to do, not watch a Trek series? That's just absurd. Uh, SNL's been gone. I finished Peacemaker. Uh, That was fun. James Gunn, man, made a good, dark, weird, very trauma superhero TV show. It's what the DCEU needed to not be so uh, dark. I said it was dark. It's not dark. It's hilarious. It's violent and hilarious. It's like a Tarantino-esque kind of thing, not like the grimy Zack Snyder kind of thing. You know what I mean? I tried to watch Inventing Anna about Anna Delvey, and I couldn't get through it. I just was bored out of my mind. I got through three episodes. I was like, I don't care about this. It was historically inaccurate, and I couldn't handle the accent, and I it just bothered me on a lot of levels. Um, I she had emailed me multiple times, hitting me up for investment back in those days. I never bothered to answer them or met her. I was aware of her, so when she got arrested, I was very very aware. And the TV show starts with the trial where she shows up and the reporter shows up and it's depicted as being this trial that nobody's paying attention to. The post is writing about it a little bit, but it's not, it could be a bigger story. And I'm like, well, this is just historically inaccurate from the get go. Cause everyone I knew in New York, we were all completely obsessed with her. And it was all over the news by the time that trial happened in episode one. So, you know, I mean, it was kind of interesting when they would do the flashbacks to like her life of grift, but I was just like, I don't like this. I mean, what is this? Is this real? Is it not real? Like, you know, her boyfriend character who's a real person, but they're not using his real name because why? Because he managed to stay out of the news, but he's an awful, he's doing awful things in the TV show. And I'm like, why? So that guy's managed to stay out of the news back then. So you're rewarding him by not using his name. I, it's just, I don't like half fictionalized. I'm really not into the whole, like, disclaimer at the beginning of something this is true except for the parts that aren't i mean like i think for things that have people living 
in the real world, you have to go full like Oliver Stone's W or you have to just not, you know, change everybody's names. I don't like this halfway thing. It really bothers me. And like the reporter, I mean, she did not break this story. Like she just didn't, you know, (laughs) she's the one that got optioned. So good for her. But like we already all knew about it, you know. So it just bothered me. And I was just like, I don't care enough about this. And I just stopped watching it. Uh, watch the Super Bowl. I don't even remember who won. I didn't particularly care. Oh yeah, right. That's right. I wanted I wanted the underdogs to win. They didn't win. But then they had that touchdown that was like totally unreasonable because it was total pass interference and the ref didn't call it. So then I felt bad and I was like, I'm gonna feel bad if they win. And so then they lost. I was like, well, that's probably for the better. That's about how much I care about the Super Bowl. Uh, I started Raised by Wolves, but I got through one episode and I'm going to keep watching it. I just haven't because I was obsessed with curling and I watched the Olympics basically the entire time since I last talked to you. Uh, yeah. Olympics, man. Curling. Curling's the best. I, we were watching two, uh, two, two curling matches a night, every night for like 10 days. It ruled. Uh, and then since curling, we've been watching Resident Alien, the Alan Tudyk comedy sci-fi. And I, we really enjoy it. It is on Peacock. If you have Peacock. It's on the actual air. If you have the actual air, it's airing right now. So you might want to wait, but it's hilarious and weird and quite a sprawling cast of characters. Actually, it's pretty crazy. Uh, I watch no movies. And then on the book front, I've been, I finished reading all the books about my family. So my uncle Skip, my mom's brother wrote a draft of biography of his parents, Violet and Jean Coughlin. And I read that draft. And then my uncle, Jack, my dad's brother, wrote a very long book about his father, my grandfather, Richard Webb, (laughs) just like me. He has a different middle name, Richard Burl Webb. And that's called True North in Alaska. Uh, Yeah, True North in Alaska. It's got a long name. Let's see. The long name of the book is Grumble, 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 Grumble. True North in Alaska, Memories of Indians, Eskimos, Bush Pilots, and Us by Dick Webb, as told to Jack Webb and Susan Webb, his wife. Uh, and it was great. I learned a lot about my dad. There's this whole mystery. My dad was born in Barrow in 1941. And contemporaneously to that, my grandfather, in a letter to his father, said that my dad was the third white child born in Barrow. My father, my whole childhood, told me he was the seventh white child born in Barrow. Jack, his brother, footnotes this in the book. And he's like, Dick always said it was he was the seventh white child. How to reconcile these? And so I assume that my grandfather was just exaggerating. But Jack doesn't know. I talked to my mom. She doesn't know. Uh, So we don't know where my dad got corrected to seven. We don't know. It's just very weird. Uh, And then the other, but the other big thing was like, I learned that my dad was a very complex birth and he had eye injuries from birth and he got eye surgery when he was six. I knew about a subsequent eye surgery at like 16 or so. And I knew about the eye injury he got getting hit over the head with a paddle on the Yukon river when he was like 14. And then later eye surgeries, I, Oh God. And then somewhere around 1988, I, uh, we were playing pool and he got his face really low to the pool table when I was hitting the winning shot and I hit the cue ball and the cue ball hit the ball and the ball hit the edge of the pool table, jumped out of the pool table, smashed exactly into my dad's glasses and lodged glass shards into my dad's eye, his injured eye that has been injured his whole life. I did this to him when I was a child. I still to this day can't figure out how it happened. I remember vividly his face. Oh my God. It's just awful. Anyway, I didn't realize his eyes had always been bad since he was born. So that was new information. Um, you know, it's interesting because like, I know most, like, like I learned a lot of stuff, but 
the part of the book that is focused on is the Bush pilot years, right? Like my, my grandfather was an early employee of Ween Air Alaska, which grew to be a very big airline, national airline in the 70s. It was ultimately done in IPO and everything. It was ultimately, ultimately done in the deregulation area, era by private equity and saddling of debt and all this stuff. And, you know, he was involved in several small airlines before that that became part of Alaska Airlines, one called Miro Air. And he knew all the famous Bush pilots and, you know, um, I knew all that, and that's the part of the book that people want to read about, right? This book is sold in, like, museums in Alaska and stuff. But, uh, you know, for me, I want to know about the later period when he he eventually he, he moves to Nome and he runs Wien Air Alaska in Nome, and then he moves back to Fairbanks, where I was born. He had lived there. He'd first come to Fairbanks in 1935, and then he lived there briefly in, like, 41, you know, 42, and then he came back, I think my dad was seven, so it would have been, like, 48 or so. And he was the first licensed dispatcher or airport airplane dispatcher in interior Alaska. The second one ever in the state, he was a pilot. He, he built Wiener Alaska from a charter airline to a scheduled airline. You know, he did all the stuff. He, him and his wife founded the visitors bureau. They named the Fairbanks, the golden heart of Alaska. They ran the Sternwheeler Ninana, which is still a major attraction at pioneer park in downtown Fairbanks. They named the Botel because the Botel was where the Sternwheeler was docked. And the boat, the boat, what stands now is the Botel bar was the bar part of the Botel. And the Ninana was the Botel. And my dad and my grand, my uncle worked on the boat. They, they started a tour line. They, you know, they had a, uh, appliance repair business. I didn't know about that. Uh, my grandmother ran for state house. I didn't know about that, but I, she died in 1966 of a heart attack, which I did know, but I didn't realize at the time she was running for state house. She still got like 30 or 40% of the vote, even dead. <laughs> so that's impressive. Good for her. Um, but you know, the part that was most relevant to me is the part when they're back in Fairbanks with my dad and the stuff I just talk to you and that's a very small part of the book because most of the book is like they're they're bushiers and rampart and cuscoquim and wainwright uh Kotzebue, not cuscoquim you know things like that so I, I did learn some stuff though it was good it was it was it was entertaining and then since then i've been reading red carpet hollywood china and the global battle for cultural supremacy by eric schwartzel which is a book about china's uh co-opting of Hollywood basically uh you know like the way that all Hollywood movies now conveniently have a scene in China or there's a Chinese character that saves the day or you know the things they do to get Chinese financing to get access to Chinese box office so the history of how that came to be it's very very fascinating I'm not done yet so we'll talk more about it later but it's a strong recommend so far it's a it's a great great book about it for this week thank you for listening please go to rickweb.net and buy a copy of good morning hello how are you a pandemic journal diary can't remember drop a line let me know how you're doing i hope you're doing great i will talk to you guys in two weeks have a lovely week let's all think of the ukrainians and do what we can to help <laughs>